Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome back. WKOK live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence, a subpar host of the show, superlative co-host. Joe McGranahan is here. More fabulous he could not be. Rob Center, our producer on the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check him out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is open. You can call us 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at on the market at KOK.com and text us at 70236. You'll have to hold your calls and uh, text for a short time while we interview a great guest who is on board and is back today. Michelle, welcome back. Uh, yes, well, uh, thank you so much for having me. I do appreciate that. Michelle Siegel was on WKOK Sunrise uh, some weeks ago. Uh, she is from Sealands Grove as a Democratic candidate in the Pennsylvania Spring Primary uh, for the 27th District State Senate seat currently occupied by John Gordner, and uh, she hopes to be the person that uh, pulls the whip out of Harrisburg, I guess you could say, for the Republicans, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, welcome aboard. Thank you so much for coming in. Uh, Tell us about your campaign. What are you doing? Kind of introduce yourself to our On the Mark audience. Um, Yes, I'm uh, Michelle Siegel. I am born and raised in Snyder County, Seals Grove native. Um, Went to Seals Grove High School, graduated in 2000, and then went to Susquehanna University. Um, Our campaign is very focused on the community. That's a big aspect. We uh, volunteered. Um, around Christmas time at the Chestnut Street Deli. And that's going to be something that we're going to continue to do as part of our campaign. We're going to work with Bloomsburg and Susquehanna College Democrats and set up days where we can all go in town and go to places and volunteer. Because we want to try to make a campaign that's different and tries to break these norms of what politicians are supposed to be. We should be there for our communities. And that's something that this campaign is going to take very seriously. What did you do at the deli volunteering, if you don't mind my asking? Well, we served over 800 uh, free turkey dinners to the community of Sunbury. And it was amazing. And I got a chance to talk to people from every walks of life. And it was probably one of the best things I've done in a long time. And it it showed me just how much um, people want somebody to stand up for their community and just be there for them. All right. And uh, what made you decide to run? Uh, it would be an uphill battle, a doable battle, but an uphill battle to unseat, a, you know, a, a, a local Republican. But you're a local Democrat, so you have that going for you. Um, well, I'm used to I, I tell a little story here. I used to go for walks in the woods with my uh, grandmother. She was part Native American, and she would um, show me tea berries. We'd eat them. We'd pick, uh, you know, walking sticks and look at the bugs, and and it was just so st- striking to me the uh, seeing all the trees and everything, and just so beautiful. And then she would take me to the top of the hill, and um, there would be nothing. And this was the uh, ash uh, pit. Uh, right there in Shimokin Dam. 
And I would ask her what this was, and she turned to me and said, death. And again, I was a little girl. I did not understand what she was saying. I just remember that stark contract between Woods and then nothing. And I found out then that coal ash pit actually uh, contaminated my grandparents' well. Uh, my grandfather got colon cancer. My uncle got colon cancer. My uh, grandfather was a World War II vet. He was a fighter. He fought it. He lived into his 90s, but I mean, he dealt with cancer most of his life. Um, my uncle was a hardworking mechanic, and he did not fare so well. He fell uh, through the cracks of our um, disastrous healthcare system and uh, had, again, we're rural. Uh, central PA Snyder County and we have a lot of pride so when the family offered him money for his bills he would not accept it which most of us understand that's just the way we are and he passed away and it was one of the hardest things I've ever seen and I've so I've seen firsthand what happens when we don't take care of our communities and especially the people that work so hard in these communities. My grandparents worked at the Seals Grove Center. They were not the type of people that would sue anybody. That's not what they believed in. And they they worked so hard and they got hurt by a system that I believe is set up to, to hurt people in this, especially in rural. I think there's an attack on rural and we need somebody in Harrisburg that's gonna go down there and stand up for our values and say, this is enough. Well, if there's an attack on the rural part of the Pennsylvania, the word attack would imply that someone is orchestrating this attack. Who is doing that? Well, again, I the uh, again, this is a very interesting that you asked that. I, I firmly believe it's because a, a lot of people um, don't understand that there's a lot of corporations in Pennsylvania that aren't paying their fair share. Seventy percent of companies operating in Pennsylvania um, are that are subject to a corporate net income tax are not paying it. Many of them are paying less in income taxes in Pennsylvania than a family making $36,000 a year. It, it, this has to stop. Our tax dollars are making are, are being used to make up for what people above us should be paying. And it's unacceptable. And it's, the system can't keep going this way. And again, when we do something like we, we raise the, the tax on the wholesale tax on our gas like we did in 2013, I get it. It was important. It was supposed to fix infrastructure. It didn't do that. We had the bait and switch pulled on us. And again, it doesn't affect people in Philly and Pittsburgh who are, you know, they have public transportation. We don't have that here. We drive trucks. We have bigger cars. We have to drive to get anywhere. So when the, when these taxes are put on people across the state, it hurts rural more, in my opinion. It's my husband drives an hour to and from work every day, and it's it's a financial burden to have to fill that car up for us. Are you aware that the single biggest valued project out of that tax increase, as you called it, was the Susquehanna Valley Thruway project, uh, an estimated, what is it, $850 million, somewhere in that neck of the woods? Well, 750 anyway. $750, $850 million. That's a huge investment in central Pennsylvania, rural central Pennsylvania. I would submit to you that our taxpayers did get their money's worth out of that. No, the, 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 the amount of projects that were supposed to be completed were only at 29%. Um, I get that that's good, that, that we're working on that project, but it, it's an overall look that our roads are falling apart. We have roads, and we have a, a bus and a car in Pennsylvania that fell through the road. Our infrastructure is not good. We're not doing the job we're supposed to be doing. And our Auditor General pointed that out. I mean, we had, they were asking for $2.3 billion to go to these projects. $4.6 billion went into this, to this fund, which I think was kind of set up to be, in my 
my opinion, a little bit of a slush fund. Um, it had federal money put into it, which I, when we start moving federal money around, I, I question, you know, that's not good either. I, I mean, if you, if, if you are somebody that's concerned about, you know, our government actually using our tax dollars in the way they're supposed to, this should be very concerning to you. And it should be something that makes you go, What's going on in our state? We're doing really uh, great and bad stuff. You know, our air, we're number three in air quality, but our schools have lead and asbestos in them. It's, it's unacceptable. Well, typically, federal highway projects, the federal government contributes 80% and the state 20%. But in this project, it's almost reversed. The state is contributing almost 80% of the cost to the Susquehanna Valley Thruway project, while the feds have contributed only 20%. So that's a pretty significant uh, investment on the part of Pennsylvania, and it was spearheaded, in all honesty, by the man you were hoping to unseat, John Gordner. He was largely responsible for getting the cap taken off the franchise tax so that it would float and follow the cost of gasoline and provide all this money. PennDOT used to spend a lot of time mowing grass in the summer. Now they're actually working on improving roads and improving bridges. They had the rapid bridge replacement program in Pennsylvania that replaced some 800 bridges around the state. I mean, we, we got our money's worth out of that. I, I don't believe we got our money's okay. worth out of that. That's my, my personal opinion looking at the oh, data and looking at the audit, which I uh, really in, uh, encourage people to actually look in our audit that our Auditor General did. Well, you're both right. I mean, obviously, these projects he talks about are underway, but obviously there's a lot more money at stake here. Okay, so that relates to transportation and roads. Other big issues in Harrisburg? What else are you talking about when you get a chance to talk about the big things in Harrisburg? You mentioned environment. That's and health care. Well, the governor's minimum wage proposal and the proposal to expand, right, expand uh, we'll overtime provisions. So any of those things resonate with you? Um, yeah. I, I, speaking on the inv environmental aspect part, I mean, when you look at bills like uh, Senate Bill 790 that, again, this is my issue with this. It, you have them writing in it to change the amount that a natural gas industry can report to the state after a spill. They're upping the amount. So my concern is you're asking, you're, you're telling a company you don't have to report, report the spill after so many gallons, but that spill is still going to have to be cleaned up, and that's going to go on our taxpayer dollars to clean that up. That is the issue when I see stuff like this happening. Now, the, another big part of that bill was the brine dumping. I know the Environmental um, Committee did take that out, but I do not believe it's out of the House bill yet, which is concerning. And just a little bit of info on brine dumping, uh, it, it sounds just like salt. Um, it's not. It has a lot of awful chemicals in it, and they were going to allow them to be dumped on our dirt roads to help uh, suppress, uh, they said, dust and then snow. and. My concern is if you're a rural farmer and you have organic status and you are dumping brine near that dirt road on that farm, I, I, I talked to the head of the farmers union and yes, she was very concerned that that farm would lose their organic status. And for many farms in this area, that organic status is what's keeping them afloat. So again, we are hitting rural, we are hurting the people that work hard and it's, it's not fair in my mind. Right, healthcare. You mentioned that that our system's broken. What what can Harrisburg do? Well, I mean, I'm I'm a firm believer that that you know we often look at uh, federal to do stuff. There's been bills that can be put up 
in pencil in the state like to handle uh, prices for diabetic medicine uh, we shouldn't have people deciding am I going to pay for my medicine today or am I going to pay to feed my family because unfortunately that is happening all over the Commonwealth these things can be taken care of in Harrisburg the same thing with health insurance I I issues there's been bills put up for single single payer I believe they're going to try to put up another one sometime soon um, again I don't see uh, passing, but it would help a lot of people um, to take away financial burdens. We li Again, how many people in, uh, listening to this right now, sitting in, in your car or at work, know somebody that had to make a GoFundMe to pay their medical bills? This is supposed to be one of the best nations and the best state in, in, the, in the United States. And people have to make GoFundMes to pay for bills? No, their hardworking tax dollars should go to other things and not a worry and stress that, that they cannot uh, you know take care of their family when they're sick people have enough to deal with when they're sick and again I saw this with my uncle and what my family went through it's not fair and, and it's not fair to watch a family member die because they can't pay their bills and this is something that that we do not need to wait for the on a federal level to fix we could fix this right away in our state how would we do that I mean, we can't do Medicare for all here in Pennsylvania, and certainly Pennsylvania on its own can't afford to pay for universal health care for every citizen in the Commonwealth. Uh, you could if you started uh, taxing the companies that aren't paying their fair share. So, well, how much will that how much will that bring in? If you you have that number, so how much do you suspect that would raise? I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure of that on the top of my head. I have to look that up. I mean, I have to check the Keystone. Um, but you're sure, it would, you're sure it would fund health care for I, I would think that uh, it, there's other things we can do here, like the Severtech. There's other things that we can do here that we can mitigate the issues that, a, that our local businesses are feeling and, and put taxes on those that are, have been um, m not paying their fair share in the system for a long time. Well, you're advocating a more activist form of state government as opposed to saying let the federal government uh, solve these yeah. problems, but shouldn't the federal government be the one who solves the problems for everybody in the in the United States and not just one state at a time? I mean, do, aren't these problems big enough that they require a federal and universal solution? I'm not saying that they sh that they shouldn't. I'm just saying that I, I'll, I'll, a lot of times what I'm seeing is. It, we spend time uh, focusing on things that aren't actually helping people, and I can't control everything. I can make a small movement to try to help people in the Commonwealth, and that's what this campaign is about. I mean, yes, the federal government should be taking care of some of these things, but I think it's a big reason why a lot of people have lost faith in government. They'd watch what's going on in a national level, and we don't realize what's happening in our backyard, and that a lot of these issues could be fixed on a state level. Who is responsible in the Commonwealth for the problems that we have? Is it the Republicans, the Democrats? Are they working, failing to work together? Is that the problem? I think it's, it's I would say, a little bit of both. I do think that there um, um, is an issue that, it, it you know, it's a GOP-led legislature down there for the House and Senate. Let's not look that over, and it's been that way for a long time. But I do believe that we also need to find a way to come together and work on things um, on both sides. It, it, we're not doing ourselves any service if we don't listen to the Republican points, if we don't listen to the Democratic points, if we don't listen to the Libertarian points, if we don't listen to the Green Party points. We, it, that's that's how a, a functioning government is supposed to work. We're supposed to listen to each other and say, hey, you know what? I never thought about that. Thanks for giving me that aspect. 
let's figure out if there's a way we can come together and make this work and actually help people. I, I'm a firm believer that we need to get over this, this, this partisanness that is happening in our state and all over our country. Well, unemployment in Pennsylvania is running a little higher than the national average. How would anything that you've just been talking about help us with that problem? So we we need to, again, if, if looking at the, the 27th district, you know, I'm 39 years old. Uh, the, my campaign manager and I are a, a rarity. We're one of the people that actually stayed in this area. Uh, we have a lot of uh, younger people. They, they, you know, they grow up here, and then when they go to college, they don't come back. We have to set up incentives to build a workforce here so that we can bring these manufacturing jobs you know, into the area. I'm a firm believer that, that the community college would, would help fix that problem if we start you know, educating for these two-year degrees and, and build up apprenticeships and start building up these, these jobs where people use their hands, welding, carpenters. Uh, my son is very into Minecraft and yeah. And he said, you know, I, I talked to him and he said, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, oh, I want to design stuff like Minecraft. I want to be an architect. And I, I said to him, you know, that's great. But, you know, you can do carpentry and you can be more hands on. And I think the way that my, my son is, he is a very active little boy. I think he would be much better doing something more hands on. And we have to start having that conversation that it, you're not a failure if you didn't go to a four year school, that hardworking people can, you know, we need you for every aspect to build up the infrastructure and build up these jobs in central PA. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're glad to say that we have a candidate for the 27th District State Senate race here. We still have to talk about minimum wage and uh, the impact from lobbyists, and Lance is either going to call in or just expect me to ask about abortion, gun control, and death penalty when no 20 minutes uh, interview goes by without those questions from him, so we appreciate that. We will take a break and we'll open up the phones. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. That's 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. If you have a question for the 27th District State Senate candidate on the Democratic ticket, Michelle Siegel is here. Are you circulating petitions? That has happened? That happens now? Yes, we are okay. circulating uh, petitions. If uh, um, we, we had an event in Bloomsburg, we have tomorrow in Bur- uh, the Berwick uh, Brewery and, um, from 5 to 8, I believe, mm-hmm. or it might be 6 to 8. You can come see me there or uh, Bella's Pizza on Friday um, in the Sealands Grove from 5 to 8. I'll be there, too, if you would like to sign my petition. So the first obstacle is getting on the ballot. <laughs> 
Right, of course. So you're out gathering signatures. Okay, so good luck with that. Uh, let's start out with minimum wage. We said we'd ask about that. What's your view on raising the minimum wage? Um, at this point, you, you honestly have um, no choice but to uh, raise the minimum wage. Uh, our uh, Senator Gordner, um, since the last time the minimum wage, he voted for a minimum wage increase. He has got a cost of living adjustment of $16,000. And the working person in Pennsylvania has not. So what's, what's his salary now? He's over uh, 120, I believe. As leader, okay. Yeah. But you're not sure about that, okay? And yeah, I, I, on a side note of that, I do believe that uh, we, uh, our legislature's salary should be tied to the median for Pennsylvania. And I know I wouldn't be very popular even f- f- on the other on my side of the aisle for saying that, but uh, it's about sixty thousand dollars, and I don't understand why we're paying our legislator this much money in, in general um, when they're, you know, probably not doing the job that they're, that money should require them to be doing. And uh, I'm a firm believer that it, it, I, you know, I wish we all could go to a job and just vote to give ourselves raises, but that's, you know, the, most people, that does not the way that works. What about uh, Senator Gordner? What other things contrast, compare and contrast yourself with him, the incumbent? You'll probably be facing him in the fall, so this will come up again. Um, Again, I, it's more just in general of how this, this, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is in general, and the things I see going on, and just looking at the the way that you know the bills that um, are being put out of Harrisburg in general. But I, I do have some some issues with um, not um, being a, a, a fighter for the working people. I believe in 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 this area, and that can be seen in, in a lot of the the bills that have come out, and um, some of these more like union bustedy bills that have come out of Senator. Order, and that's a that's a problem for me. All right, uh, let's see abortion. <laughs> okay, so uh, here's <laughs> my issue with we focus so much in politics about things that have already been decided. Um, I, I tend to believe we should just uh, let these things alone. They've been decided. The chance of you actually, I, I guess, I don't need to be a Debbie Downer here, but the, the truth is that the chance of, of overturning something that would in the Supreme Court is, it's not an easy task. Um, it, we, we believe that this stuff is easy to do, but the, the way it would have to be done is it's not easy. The, the other issue I guess I have is you start going down this path of of when you're dictating when life starts and stuff then you're also going to start dictating when um uh life ends and that's a little bit concerning to me and i just think that there's some things that as a woman that i um personally could not have children and i because of of illness and should my child lose me if something happens? If 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 I had a present uh, pregnancy that was going bad, so uh, these are issues that that you know. Again, I, I personally just think it's between me and my doctor, and let's just move on from this conversation because we spend so much time talking about things that are just supposed to rile up our bases, and meanwhile we don't vote for somebody that actually wants to fight for you. And I'm I'm just get frustrated that we have to keep looking at the shiny object instead of looking what's happening in our backyard. But every political candidate we've ever had on this program said they want to fight for me. You know, obviously somebody is and somebody isn't. You know, how do you, you know, what what I consider you fighting for me and what Mark might consider you fighting for him could be two entirely different things. And they maybe don't coincide with each other. So how do you determine which one of us you're going to fight for? 
I mean, my, my feeling is I'm a conservative Republican, Mark's a liberal Democrat. It, so it, how are you going to represent me, a conservative Republican? If you're a conservative Republican, I'm going to make sure our government is being fiscally responsible down in Harrisburg. I will fight for that. So I, what's wrong with that? Why? Why is? Again, I have libertarian friends. I, I this idea that I don't am not thinking about other people's view opinions of something. That's the difference between me. I listen to everybody's view opinions and take them in. You can ask anybody that knows me, and and I don't care if you're a Trump supporter or you're super left. I will listen to you. I will take in 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 your your input, and I will internalize that and think about it before I voted on a bill. Well, I and that's what's th- missing. I don't doubt that you'll listen, but I'm saying at some point, Mark's interests and mine are going to be irreconcilable. N- not when it comes to community. No, 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 no. It, we all want our community to be doing better. Well, we all want the people right? to be uh, 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 the people of Pennsylvania be, to be doing better. That's this divisiveness. Divisiveness that y- y- you can only go and represent somebody on the right's you know views or somebody on the left views. No, these are community people views. These are community people issues. They are not partisan issues, and that has got to stop. Okay. Well, Gun- we'll give you the final word, right? Oh, dear. Uh, gun control and death penalty really quickly here in a final word, all in one minute. Um, I guess smokes. I would say, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I come from a family of hunters, uh, central Pennsylvania. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm just everybody knows, I'm not interested in taking anybody's gun rights away. That's, again, another conversation that it, it, I get the concern, but I, that's that's not what I'm going to Harrisburg to do. I want to try to make people's lives better. And again, most people can agree there should be straight background checks on everybody. I have to get that to go volunteer in my son's school. These are simple things, but we don't ever talk about that people's rights are being taken away on gun rights in Pennsylvania. If you're a medical marijuana patient in Pennsylvania, you cannot hunt. You cannot own a gun legally. So there are rights being taken away, and we don't talk about that on the right. You just want to paint me as a gun-taking liberal, and I, I have an issue with that. <laughs> Nobody's painting anybody. <laughs> These are just open-ended questions. The question was two words long, gun control. So, well, maybe it's gun control rather than... Uh, Do you have a website if people want to look into yeah, more of you? you? Yes, uh, Michelle Siegel for PASenate.com. Michelle Siegel for PASenate.com. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. And more in favor of guns I could not be. So (laughs) thank you for that. Michelle Siegel, yeah, please uh, check out this candidate. Democratic candidate circulating petitions even as we speak. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WDKOK Sunbury, 9 a.m. Good morning. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Great things. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Joe McGranahan is here. Rob Center is still the fabulous producer. No change there. The Sunbury Motor Company is our sponsor. They are a family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street, Sunbury, and Routes 11 and 15, Hummels Wharf. I invite you to meet some wonderful people down there like Ernie and Austin over at the Kia dealership. And they know more about the Kia dealer, the Kias than anyone else in the world. And they would just love to make sure that you have got... 
a highly reliable, highly rated vehicle, super affordable. And they have the best owner loyalty plan in the world as well. And that's at the Kia dealership on routes 11 and 15 to Hummel's Wharf. Uh, go over to the Sunbury Motor Company itself on 4th Street and talk to Mike DeFeo. He'll put you in my Ranger since I didn't go down and pick it up yet. Uh, Jeff Clock will put you in an F-150. Mickey Anselmo has an expedition that uh, has got Joe McGranahan written all over it. And Jason Benfer actually has uh, Joe's uh, navigator there. It's the great big SUV with a V8 engine and uh, trailer hitch on it, even though it doesn't pull anything. And he is just excited about that. It's got that anti-collision stuff, so Joe uh, will never bump. When's the last time you dented a car? Oh, my gosh, it must Please be decades. Please don't even talk about it. All right, decades. <laughs> don't jinx me. Okay. Yeah, it's been uh, 30 years since uh, Joe dented a car. So, nonetheless, uh, that won't happen to his brand-new Navigator. It's going to be a 2021 Navigator for him. And we invite you to do what we just did, and that's uh, talk about these wonderful individuals and then go down to Sunbury Motor Company and make sure that uh, you become one of their many, many satisfied customers. Our toll-free line is open. Call us one 800 795 That's 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com and text us at 70236. We do have some brief news headlines. No need to panic if you're a Sunbury resident and you received one of the delinquent tax notices recently. City officials say everybody got a delinquent tax notice, even though the vast majority of taxpayers will be paying, if they haven't already, paid their taxes right on schedule. The per capita and occupational assessment tax bills went out to everyone showing they were delinquent. It was a dilemma in the treasurer's office. They're fixing that. They may even send you another card. Some people got two delinquent notices, one for each occupational assessment, one for per capita. Uh, but Kevin Troop uh, says they're remedying situation. It won't hurt your credit rating. It has been unusually warm. How warm has it been lately? How about four to six degrees above average for the winter so far? Only six inches of snow when normally we'd get about uh, 30 over the course of the winter. Dave Samuel is an expert meteorologist, a senior meteorologist at AccuWeather. We could see the setup for a few small events during the first couple of weeks of February, then maybe a chance for some larger storms later in the month into March. So some of the worst winter weather uh, may not have uh, happened yet. So we can certainly be under the gun for winter conditions into March. Some of our biggest snowstorms have occurred in March. Uh, he asked if climate change was a factor. He says it's hard to say, but there are some signs to keep an eye on, like the warming oceans. Uh, but beyond that, he could not say for sure. AccuWeather itself, a climate skeptic organization, just asked Joe Lundberg, and uh, they'll tell you. But uh, nonetheless, uh, you can hear his whole interview. We have it posted at WKOK.com. The state secretary of health, Dr. Rachel Levine, Monday reminded Pennsylvanians the threat from coronavirus is extremely low in Pennsylvania. There have been 11 confirmed cases in Pennsylvania and no death. I'm sorry, 11 confirmed cases in the U.S., none in Pennsylvania and no deaths in the U.S. The Wolf Administration is out with some sound advice about how to avoid coronavirus. One, cover any coughs or sneezes with your elbow or cloth or tissue. Clean surfaces frequently, such as countertops, light switches, cell phones, and other frequently touched areas. And if someone is sick, ask them to stay home until they are feeling better. Okay. Sound advice. How about one more headline? You got one more? Mm, let me see. Um, one that's a good. Oh, how about Rush Limbaugh? Let's talk about Rush Limbaugh. Well, how uh, about Iowa? Let's talk about Iowa. Well, yeah, that's that's <laughs> not on here. Uh, I only have I only have definitive fact-based oh, okay. <laughs> stories on it. Which uh, what what did one of your commentators call it? Uh, the uh, 
couldn't shoot straight. Gang. I called it that. The gang. Remember that book, the gang that yes. couldn't shoot straight. Yes. Okay. But I'm Let a member of the Let me words. do Rush. Here we go. Right. Conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh says he has been diagnosed with advanced lung cancer. Addressing listeners Monday, Limbaugh said he will take some days off for further medical tests to determine treatment. Limbaugh himself uh, called himself the mayor of Realville in announcing his illness. Uh, he's been experiencing shortness of breath and uh, tested by two medical institutions. He says Limbaugh's national prominence began in 1988 when his first national show launched. Within years, he was considered a Republican kingmaker, a status that has remained. He now broadcasts primarily from West Palm Beach, Florida, the EIB studios, if you will, with the golden microphone. Uh, he has that golden, uh, what is it, electro voice, that big the mic. big one, yes, yeah. the good one. Yeah, the nice ones. Yeah, they're $700. We do not have one here. These mics are a couple hundred bucks, but uh, they do okay. Test, test. How do I sound? Well... Not good. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's a personal <laughs> issue. Though. That's more me. But, yeah, that's uh, really tough. I wish him well, and uh, he's just a real star in radio. I really don't want to diminish. He's won a lot of awards over the years. He's well, a member that's of the true. Hall of National Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame, the Radio Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. He certainly has redefined and saved AM radio, personally. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to allude to, the fact that, uh, boy, radio was drifting into obscurity. Uh, AM radio was losing listeners. Now, big, powerful stations in cities like WKOK. Right, we do okay. Um, KYW, the KDKAs, they do okay because they're powerful and they have a, such an immediate message that people really want. But uh, smaller AM stations are struggling. Rush helped save WMLP, which is our right. sister station. Even around here, here one, one or two stations have turned in their licenses and shut down, torn down the towers and moved away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was an AM station, I think, what, in Seals Grove, right? Mm-hmm. They turned in their license. and uh, I think there was one in uh, Danville that turned in its license. I may be wrong on that. But in any event, we wish Rush all the best. But, you know, I'm reminded this morning of the words of Will Rogers, who said, I am not a member of any organized political group. I am a Democrat. <laughs> After <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, that's a tough situation, boy. Uh, what, the app fell Ludicrous. Ap- the app, app fell apart? Well, that's what they're blaming it on. And, uh, well, but then I the I was phone expecting system... them to come out and say President Trump hacked the election. Well, I mean, everything well, else is President Trump's fault. I thought maybe the Democrats would pin this on him, too. Well, maybe they will later. They haven't done that yet. Can you read that tiny font? Yes, I can. Okay, all right, so we'll read that as time goes on here. Uh, But, um, yes, so a a comedy of errors. First the app failed, then the phone system failed, and then the third backup, which was to take screenshots of your tallies to uh, to Des Moines, I guess. That failed. They wouldn't let people in. It wasn't working. They didn't want extra unsecured people in. CNN did a stand-up in front of the Democratic State Headquarters this morning. The lights were on, but there was nobody in there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so that's too bad. Uh, it's a shame that that happened. And uh, even when, even when they come, you know, they say this afternoon they'll have the numbers, which uh, that'll be good. Uh, even when that happens, I'm going to be skeptical about them. You know that. You know, well, I don't know. You know, did they count them right? And each vote counted. Each caucus. You know, this uh, first draft. I forget what they call it. The first eclipse or something that they had going. Well, when Reverend Al Sharpton was on MSNBC this morning, saying that Iowa is too ethnically non-diverse to be uh, this have this importance attached to it, that mm. they should be stripped of their right to be a caucus state and to be first in the nation because they are not a truly ethnically and racially diverse state. 
So they're not people there? Or Apparently something? not okay. to Reverend Al Sharpton. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a ton of Democrats out there. They're, pre- they're pre- truly progressive, so maybe that tells you something. Well, it, what does he think about his friend Barack Obama, who wouldn't have been president if Without it weren't for a, Iowa? Iowa? You're right. I don't know. So, well, then they're allowed, as long as it helps his candidate. As long as it helps my candidate, you can have it. All right. But, you know, you think of all the money that all these people pumped into that state. Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Klobuchar, well, they Warren, spent whole times there, yeah, and then Buddha uh, Judge. I mean, they spent just a lot of time flying and money. back and forth. Amy Klobuchar spent, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And so, uh, what do they get out of it? Nothing. They've all moved on to New Hampshire this morning without even knowing who won out there. Buddha Judge claimed victory. I don't know how he did that. Well, that was just Elizabeth Warren says it's too close to call. But how does she know? There are no votes. I, I think they saw a vacuum and said, "Let's fill it with a victory speech." Uh, that Lawrence is worthless observation, but they would have their own polling, that kind of thing. We'll take your reaction to this, folks. A call right now, in case you haven't heard, Iowa caucuses were unable to report overnight. I believe they call them discrepancies, anomalies, and catastrophic failures, lack of communication, inability to count. Phones died for lack of a spare battery, and what was the 10th one? Oh, um, oh they wouldn't let some... Oh, the phones jammed. They had 1,700 right. calls trying to go into their caucus headquarters. Trying to report the results by right, phone, and, didn't and that work. didn't work. Right, cell phones don't work in that way when you crash them like that. So 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We would love to hear from you. This is an open day. There's no open day. There's no doubt about that. There's a very slight chance that we are going to hear from our U.S. congressman in the uh, 12th district. Congressman Fred Keller said he would call us either today or tomorrow, but it would depend on how his schedule fell together. So um, we may hear from him, but we have open phones. We can talk about Iowa. One of our texters has a uh, note that Trump lied about 9-11. We have Congressman Keller sent us a tweet, so we have well, I sent everybody a tweet who follows on Twitter. One of our listeners talks about the political candidate who is just here, so uh, we can talk about that. A texter has a comment about her as well, uh, so we can... Uh, we can uh, enjoy open phones. 1-800-795-9565 is the telephone number for the three open lines. One of them is occupied, a man who has given us a buzz. Buzz, good morning. <laughs> How many times have you heard that in your life? <laughs> Pretty much every day. Oh, okay, great. Sorry. I couldn't resist. Um, and, and So that would be 365 times 73, whatever that would be. Um, I, I was laughing. I saw a meme this morning on uh, Facebook that said, if we would make all cars standard shift and insist people learn cursive, we could wipe out an entire generation. (laughs) Right. I saw that too. And that's true. (laughs) uh, Well, it reminded me this morning of this, you know, the importance of maintaining, you know, the written word. Um, How many hundreds of years did we get by without the electronics through voting? I mean, I know it's tedious and I know it's time consuming, but... To, to rely completely, to have no other way to vote other than online spells disaster. I mean, look at all the, the problems that we have with uh, this one uh, rescue dog group that we belong to just got hacked a couple of weeks ago. Somebody stole $23,000 out of the uh, uh, account of this, this group that we work with. Um, it's just you cannot rely completely on electronics, there has to be something to back it up. I mean, in this thing in Iowa, and it's just not this, you know, it's just not Iowa, it's everybody. We cannot commit our lives completely to electronics. There has to be 
a backup system in place to deal with this because there's going to be days when they need it, and today's probably a good example. That's all. Hey, you well, got a good point, Buzz. I I agree with you. We're in agreement for once. Well, and wow, <laughs> strange things do happen. Russia and are both dangerous to America. No, don't agree with that. Dangerous to America. <laughs> Well, all right, not, guys, thank you. All right, Buzz. thank you so much. Call again. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'll take a quickie break. Uh, when we come back, we will be talking about uh, the Iowa caucuses. We have an email that relates, has says the word Michelle, and that's the first word. Another one says uh, that, uh, where was that? Uh, she is a class warfare candidate. So we'll read that text on the air in its entirety. Coming up, but call us now, one 800 7959565 our telephone numbers. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565. Call us right now. We have an email and some texts to read. But unfortunately, well, there you go. That's all you get. Right. Is one of the emails. Uh, that email was sent to on the market WKOK.com, and the texts uh, came in at uh, 70236. So, so go ahead. Have you checked? Is there any results on Iowa this morning? No. Well, the, the other thing is, tonight's the State of the Union address. Are you ready for that? Sure. And t- today, the senators each get 10 minutes to explain their vote that they will make tomorrow as to whether or not the president is guilty or not guilty. Okay. Can you imagine 100 senators each getting 10 minutes? How long is that? 1,000, 10,000 minutes? Yep, 10,000 minutes. 10,000 minutes divided by 60 is what? <sighs> I don't know. You talk about whatever your point is while I do the math. All right. 10,000 10, minutes divided by 60 is how many hours? Okay. Hold on. Okay. Well, I have a calculator. I could do it, too. 10,000 All right. Well, then 60. I'll talk while, while you do this. <laughs> Give us a buzz right now and help us out because uh, Joe, and who used to be really fabulous at head math, is declining. By 1-800-795. I'm going to turn your mic off. 1-800-795-95. 166 hours. That can't be right, can it? 166 hours? 10 minutes. 10 times 100 is... It'd be 16 hours. Right, 16 hours. Okay. So yeah. they're going to stay there till 4 o'clock tomorrow morning. If they're starting at 1, mm-hmm. 12, yeah, 34, 50, so you have 4 o'clock in the morning. So that each gets their 10 minutes. And who's going to want to be the last speaker at 3.59 or 3.58 in the morning? Senator Casey. <laughs> <laughs> well, he you know, who is last is first. I, I look at this thing tonight, the President's State of the Union. What are you hoping for? I'm hoping that he will come out there and be presidential, as we have traditionally defined presidential. What am I hoping for? If he thinks, <laughs> oh, it's 1,000 minutes, okay. <laughs> Not 10,000. Right? I don't believe that for a No. Minute. You think it's 10,000? 100 times 10. Be 10? Oh, 100 times 10 is 1,000. 1, right, yeah, okay. So 10, 16 hours would okay. be... Yeah, right? maybe. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> no, we're I'm having trouble with the math You're here. You're asking me to do math in my head. I haven't been able to do math in my head in 20 years, and you, you well, only I, recently I, like lost Like everybody that else, we have calculators now, and so we don't 
we don't actually do this stuff ourselves. Yeah, 16 hours would okay. be the, the time, a little over 16 hours. So, so they start at 1, they'll go till 1, then four more hours. So well, they may would, not take, some of them may not take the full 10 minutes. I mean, I don't think it takes 10 minutes to explain why you're voting the way you are. And if, if everybody took 10 minutes, I imagine it would be on both sides extremely repetitive by the end of this the time frame allowed. And plus, there's microphone movement time. You know, that's if you ever see a good MC keeps people at the microphone coming up while they're talking. Don't the so senators have their own microphones at their desk? Oh, I don't know. I, so. I've been on the Senate floor, and it seemed to me that they had a lavalier mic, like in a holster beside their house. Oh, okay. I may be wrong on that. Okay. But I remember Bob Dole, when I was in the, on the Senate floor, I was at Bob Dole's desk, and he had a microphone, but then he was a leader, so okay. maybe that makes sense. So we've got that. We've got the State of the Union message tonight, which, if the president is smart, if he is smart, he okay. <laughs> there we go. It's not likely to happen, but he will. He will talk about his goal for the country, what he'd like to see happen the rest of this term, and hopefully, if he gets another term, what he would like to see happen there. He will not call anybody any names, but there's been a movement afoot to have the Democrats abandon or not show up for the um, for the State of the Union. Oh, I think that would be wrong. Don't well, you? you? Well, he's still the president. You know, this is one of those times where he's still the president, you know, and it's still the union. You know, I, th- I th- if you ever wanted uh, there to be a time when, um, you know, we all came together, this would be one opportunity. And hear what he has to say. Uh, U.S. Congressman Fred Keller sent us a tweet. Do I send everybody who follows on Twitter a tweet? I'm looking forward to an optimistic and forward-thinking State of the Union address from uh, President Trump tonight. Thanks to President Trump and the Republican leadership in the middle-class boom is a blue-collar boom, too. In Pennsylvania alone, we've seen per capita income jump 8%. Okay. Wow. I think that's about it of the sort of the politically are. I wonder if Fred, ha- Fred so. has some inside knowledge of what the president will say. Uh, it says, President Trump has worked with one hand tied behind his back as he's fought through the left's impeachment sham and a constant obstruction to achieve a booming economy, better trade deals, and a stronger military. There's a lot more we can accomplish working together. So he's obviously campaigning for the president as well, which is perfectly permissible. Well, we'll probably hear from Fred tomorrow with his views on the speech. In the meantime, we have Mike oh, from right. Bloomsburg on about Iowa. Mike, you're on the mark. Yeah, hey, hey, Mark, I'll, I'll tell you what I think Trump should say after I say what I want to say about the Iowa caucus. I think the Iowa caucus last night was actually Stop Bernie 2. We were watching that movie, Stop Bernie 2, and I think that's what that was all about. And it started when they would not release the Des Moines, Iowa poll uh, over the weekend because it was probably going to show, you know, Bernie winning that, and they didn't want that. And now... We have a fiasco. I mean, let's face it. They've had four years to get ready for this primary. How could it get screwed up so bad that we could not have the results? I mean, it's just unbelievable. And if, if the tables were turned here, if the Republicans were, were screwing this up, I think the Democrats would be saying, we need to have the United Nations come in to make sure <laughs> that the Republican voters have fair elections. We have to ensure that fairness. And cause I, I'll tell you what. Honestly, I think the Democrats should call for the United Nations on themselves to prove that they're fair. You mean after this or just in general? Because of the president's record of tampering with election? Well, first of all, you know, they they accused Trump of colluding, and that turned out to be false. 
So, to me, there, there's absolutely you know no faith in, in, in how the Democrats are running their election. And as far as Trump tonight, I think he should say, hey, we can't even trust the Democrats to run a fair, decent, controlled election in a, in a relatively small state like Iowa. And they want you voters to turn the whole ball of wax over to them in November. That can't happen. That's what I think he should say. Of course, I'm not a politician, obviously. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to politics, but that's what I would like to hear him say. Well, that wouldn't win him many friends in the room. <laughs> what do you mean? Why wouldn't it win him any friends? Well, I don't think the Democrats would be happy to hear that. Well, no, not at all. Not at all. But I think it's, I think it's the truth. I mean... Well, it may be the truth, but I think he needs to strike a conciliatory tone now. He's got to be, for once in his life, the adult in the room. He's got to be the one who says, let's put this all behind us and let's work together to do stuff for the American people. If he does that, I think he will show that he is a far bigger man than any of us thought he was. Man, oh man, I... You know, that thought never entered my mind. I'm, I'm hoping you're right. <laughs> well, it's beyond the realm of possibility. I mean, that would obviously be impossible. He is who he is. I think he will go to the microphone and be who he is. He'll be his, uh, you know, bombastic name-calling, separating division and, uh, what, optimistic, and he probably yeah. will be forward-thinking. Well, I can thinking. see him up there. Oh, there's Pencil Neck. There's Polkahannis. There's Crooked Hillary's uh, good friend, Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> so I hope that's well, not what we hear, though. Well, I'm sure we'll hear some of his adjectives. I'm not sure that he's going to be quite that fired up. But I honestly think, you know, it's like his previous State of the Union's address. The fact-checkers will have a field day. Fox News will just kind of <laughs> grin and bear it. You know, they have, you know, it's, it's he's their candidate, but he obviously is either exaggerating or just outright lying through most of his facts. But nonetheless, you know, I too, just as uh, Congressman Keller is, I'm optimistic. You know, and what Joe says is so true. You know, if he could just draw, you know, look presidential for five minutes you know, or for five months, you know, they, they'd probably be able to change the election laws so that he can get elected a fourth time or a third time. I don't doubt that they're going to do that, Mark. I don't well, think imagine if he were presidential and conciliatory and listened and wasn't demeaning and told the truth. I mean, holy smokes, he'd, he'd be King Trump. He has never, and I, I like the president, I like what he's done on issues, as you know, but he's <laughs> never proven himself to be capable of self-introspection. You know, you know, part of what they tell you to, as a Christian is to examine your conscience. I don't know that he's ever done that. <laughs> no. Anyway, Mike, no, you have Mark, the floor. Go ahead. Mark said it best when he said he is who he is. Mm. And and that that's the truth. But you know what? He is who he is, and he was smart enough to beat Hillary Clinton. So let's hope that he can change. That's true. Well, there's always hope. <laughs> right. Well, I think if uh, you appeal to the right, you know, if you fe- appeal to more voters than she did, that's what puts you in the right. in, in the the resolute desk. So all right, thank you so much, Mike. Thanks, Mike. We'll You're take welcome. more comers. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We are looking ahead uh, to the. State of the Union address. We had a candidate here earlier today. One of our listeners sent us a note about her, please. Says, Michelle, if you win the seat and you get the voting power and you and I disagree even on only one issue, you would vote in my favor for my issue? I think not. My power is at the voting box. That's it. Your power continues for four years. You can change many policies. I always get it. I 
it does matter who it is, whether it was Michelle or from Senator Gordner or, or Congressman Keller, I always get what I think is an unsatisfactory answer to the question, how do you listen to your constituents with whom you disagree? I ask almost everybody that comes across this table that question, and people say they will listen, but I never see any evidence that they have changed their mind or that this... Are they obligated to because you think differently? They're obligated to adopt your opinion and throw their own out the window? Uh, No, I wouldn't suspect that they would do that. Uh, I I want people with minority opinions to have an influence and to have a place at the table in Harrisburg or in Washington, D.C. But they do. There's a majority and a minority party in Washington. There's a majority and a minority party in every county commissioner uh, set up in Pennsylvania. Right, right. That's that's the divisive answer. But I think the real answer is that marginalized individuals, their voices aren't heard today. Look at, here you go. Here's a a classic marginalized individuals voice is heard today with all these laws we're enacting what do you think oh yeah how many laws have we enacted that raise up minorities or marginalized people thousands think of, uh, no think of uh, president trump is the rollback king every law is being uh, examined and many those. are being we haven't rolled back. rolled back any civil rights protections all right if anybody agrees with me and disagrees with joe joe says marginalized opi- marginalized opinions have more voice than ever i say In they have world, less they voice do. than ever uh, what's your view. Call us now. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. 1-800-795-9565. It took us about 20 minutes to figure out how long it would take right. for all the senators to talk. And I love this one. Listeners yeah, sent us the answer. A solution for your math issues. Bring a young Amish youngster in every day. They are schooled in arithmetic. <laughs> okay, well, we only have one math question a year. I'm not sure it'd be worth it, but thank you. That is a wonderful He probably suggestion. could answer it faster than we could. We're going to take a quickie break. Our On the Mark program sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. We will be right back. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. You you know where you want to go here. Yes, one of, one of our emailers says, what I would like to hear President Trump talk about tonight. As a businessman, I would like to hear him say we are going to work on the deficit. I will take away all the debt that I raised in my presidency and let the other debt stand that the other presidents made in theirs. I won't take responsibility for all of it. Oh, why not fix it all? That would be a wonderful well, gesture. Well, if, if he just fixed what he created, that would be a step in the right direction. 1-800-795-9565 is a telephone number for you to dial. Uh, Dan, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. You bet. I'm, I'm with you gentlemen. Rush Limbaugh's in my prayers. And he came along at a time in radio and the media was all biased. It wasn't completely in the tank of the laugh, but he it was being biased, and many of us saw it. We call it out, but it didn't matter. And what Rush did was give the conservatives a real voice, and and that's what made his program great. Plus, he was a genius on politics, and he could call it out great, and that's why he had. I think over 600 radio outlets across America, and we just pray for the best for Rush, and there's hardly any place you could drive. I know I could, if I went to State College, 
I could pick him up on three stations. <laughs> so that's how widespread his broadcast was and well-respected in the conservative movement. Well, yeah, he's a big, big help to radio. Uh, as you mentioned, radio was uh, drifting into AM, small AM stations were drifting into obscurity. But, uh, yeah, definitely helped to revive some of them. And it made it viable. Um, uh, what, oh, gosh, what's his name? The fellow that just died that ran the morning show, Imus, uh, said that he and Rush and Hannity uh, for a lot of radio stations uh, were doing what they called the revenue generation portion of the broadcast day. <laughs> that was yeah. when you could make your money. And then what it did was it created opportunity for a lot of other broadcasters the rest of the night. You know, you look at our whole talk radio 1380 WMLP lineup, uh, none of those people would be around if it weren't for Rush to keep those stations on the air. So that opened up. So that meant morning drive is available on a talk radio 1380. So it's going to be a big impact. I hope he does come back. Uh, yeah, I don't know how old is he. What is he? 60 or 60 69. 69. 69. 69. So okay. Even yeah. if he works another five or ten years, uh, uh, and um, I don't know, not to diss my own industry, we're not always really super good at long term planning. You know, like we are not nurturing the next rush here. You know, we, we have Sean Hannity, but. He's got gray hair, too, so he's not going to be around forever. Uh, you know, if we were super-duper smart, we'd come up with a fabulous local talk show host that could anchor um, 1380 in the morning. You know, They've with, got us. Well, uh, yeah, that no, I mean, like, uh, at 6 a.m. 6 a.m., okay. You know, and, and maybe they do have fabulous ratings. I haven't looked at their book in a while, but I do know that they do super well with It's Rush. hard to do what Rush Limbaugh does. I mean, he basically talks. Yeah, for three hours. For three hours. Uninterrupted. I, I, I couldn't do that. Could you? No, no, no. <laughs> and I, you know, occasionally because of uh, vacancies or illness or road trips, you know, I have to, f we have uh, that chair's empty. Right. Or, or occasionally you're here. Here it is 90 minutes with lots of callers, and <laughs> we would not, nobody ever wants to sit down in this chair without help. Well, as I've told you, I won't. <laughs> right. Because it, it's just too difficult. Right. So I admire what Rush Limbaugh does. I mean, he's, he's incredible in his ability to keep something like that going. It's like stream of consciousness. I mean, he's he's obviously an extremely intelligent man. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, Dan. We kind of dropped he, you. And he has it written down because you've heard this a thousand yeah. times. He pulls his paper taut. Go ahead, Dan. You know, yeah. And if you, I probably listen to Rush no more than one to two hours a week. I hear him on the usually the car radio, and. You, how many people call in there that were very liberal, and they once they really listened to Rush, they changed their mind and realized his wisdom, and they were actually changed to be a conservative from a very liberal. So he did change people's minds, and like you said, AM radio, when I was in school, growing up, even into the eight, 60s, AM was music. We listened to our music on AM, like even 1070 was mm -hmm. music up through the 60s into the 70s. And then you people changed, and so was the other sister station. 
but no longer do we listen to music on AM very much. No, there's Mostly a couple out talk. there. If you spin the dial when you're visiting other places, you can hear some. Hey, we had AM stereo. We were the only station in the valley to broadcast in an AM stereo. How'd that work out? Not really well. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah. The proper phrase is yeah. not too good. Spent a lot of money on that equipment. <laughs> it's still back there. They use it, it for uh, ultra-fine monitoring. It, oh, do they? It, okay. it does. I don't know what it is. Something about the monitor does something other monitors don't, so oh. we do still okay. use it. Oh, good. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for checking you in. Really, really appreciate have it. Have a great day. Yeah. Good right. talking with you. You betcha. From Dan to... Glad I didn't entirely waste the money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, they're just making good use of it. Dale, you're on the mark. Yeah, I just think that Trump's going to say in the State of Union, what he's going to say is he's going to make Fox News have the most ratings and all his Trump supporters go crazy. He's going to say three words. He's going to say, I like turtles. And they're going to be like, he's a genius. He's the greatest. He's going to walk up the stage. I'm confused. I like turtles? Yeah, and Fox would go crazy, and all his supporters would. They'd say, he's a genius. He's a genius. Yeah, there must be a point there somewhere, Dale, but I'm afraid you've lost both of us because we're both sitting here with blank expressions on our faces. Uh, if you want to go, that's a kind <laughs> reference. That's, that's what it's all about, this crazy... It's all about social. turtles? Yeah, it's like social media. It's the same thing. It's nothing. It's irrelevant. It's all mud pies and snake oil, whatever he has to say. Right, I got you. Mud pies, snake oil, you know, and turtles. We get rid of the elephant and the donkey. The bar association involved yeah, in this somehow? He, well, I was going to tell you with that young lady running for uh, for politics you had there an hour ago. I, you should have told her she can't get to the dance floor without a law license. You should have told her. Oh. It's all right to run, but you can't get to the dance floor without a law license. Gotcha. Okay. I don't know if you have. She does not know yeah, that. I'm, I'm certain saying, of that. Dancing well, lawyers, there's a thought. It's not a no, pretty picture. You should have told her, Joe, instead of saying, uh, I'm a conservative, what am I going to do in Harrisburg? You should have told her, you know. You just have to be a lawyer. ambitions and hopes, but if you don't have a law license, you just can't get there. The media will chop you up, and that's how the money's divvied out. It's called, <clears throat> give me a donation, and I'll, and I'll take care of you when I get elected. So she has no one to take care of. Nobody to bank on her. So that's the way that works. Okay. All well, right. We got you, Dale. Thank you so much. I knew the so Bar much. Association was tied into this somehow. Thank right, you, Dale. Right. They have a role in this. Uh, there you go. Uh, upper right-hand corner, right. please. Right. Uh, one of our emailers says, Mark is right, Joe. When either a Dem gets in or a rep gets in, they vote party lines. It's called, we won, you didn't. There might be a minute number of bills they would vote together on, but the divide is great. I'm just going to hold on to the... Uh, let's reread the first sentence of that every so often. Mark uh, is right, Joe. <laughs> I don't hear that very often. <laughs> All right. Uh, one of our listeners says, Sounds like the Democratic Iowa caucus is corrupt. I guess they didn't want the Bernie to win, and now they have to figure out how to skew the votes away from him. And another listener says Hillary did it. I, we had our caller, just out of curiosity, said they didn't release the Des Moines Register post or poll. Yeah, the poll didn't come out. They what, said was the there stated, was, what was the stated uh, reason for that? I wanted to ask... Sampling uh, error or something. It wasn't... A uh, sampling error? But I don't think they elaborated. But it never did come out. It was supposed to come out yesterday. Uh, let's see. The Iowa Democratic Party has issued a statement, and here it is. Quote, 
This morning, Iowa Democratic Party Chair Troy Price released the following statement. Last night, more than 1,600 precinct caucuses gathered around the state of Iowa and satellite caucuses around the world to demonstrate our shared value and goal of taking back the White House. The many volunteers running caucus sites, new voters registering as Democrats and neighbors talking to each other about the future of our country, demonstrated the strength of our party. We have every indication that our system was secure and there was not a cybersecurity intrusion. In preparation for the caucuses, our systems were tested by independent cybersecurity consultants. As precinct caucus results started coming in, the party ran through them, ran them through an accuracy and quality check. It became clear that there were inconsistencies with the reports. The underlying cause of the inconsistencies was not immediately clear and required investigation, which took time. As this investigation unfolded, staff activated pre-planned backup, uh, pre backup measures and entered data manually. This took longer than expected. As part of our investigation, we determined with certainty that the underlying data collected via the app was sound. While the app was recording data accurately, it was reporting out only partial data. We have determined that that was due to a coding issue with the reporting system. This issue was identified and fixed. The application's reporting issue did not impact the ability of precinct chairs to report data accurately. Because of the required paper documentation, we have been able to verify that the data recorded in the app and used to calculate state delegate equivalents is valid and accurate. Precinct-level results are still being reported to the IDP. While our plan is to release the results as soon as possible today, our ultimate goal is to ensure that the integrity and accuracy of the process continues to be upheld. Well, that's tap dancing backwards if I ever saw it. So well, They explained all the things that are right, but they still don't have the results. No, they do not have the <laughs> results yet. So I guess they're app. A glorious statement. But, you know, you would think you would test the heck out of this thing beforehand. You wouldn't be privy to it anymore, but when you were here, and it still happens today, prior to any election, about two months ahead of time, the Associated Press starts running tests, and we will start to see pop up on the wire screen after screen of tests, and they will literally go to each precinct uh, headquarters where they have a reporter and yeah. start sending in numbers to the uh, tabulator that they use at AP, which is nothing more than an Excel spreadsheet. There's no mystery to it. And um, they test it, and so we see the results, and it would say, you know, 27th District State Senate seat Pennsylvania, you know, Gordoner versus Democrat, and it would have the numbers there that they have, have reported from Middleburg and from Bloomsburg and from Danville and all the different courthouses. But do they actually count individual voters in Iowa in a caucus, or do they take the sense? For example, if there were 1,600 spots around Iowa. I think that was the number they gave, wasn't it? 1,600? Yeah. So if 800 of them went for Bernie Sanders, would that be what they reported, that Bernie Sanders won half the vote in Iowa? Or, or would they consensus. Or would they actually count the number of people if there were, what, did they say 160,000 people? Well, they were people? counting heads last night, only because we've seen so many pictures and video of it. They have the precinct captain standing in front of the bleachers that have the Bernie Sanders supporters on it, which is the biggest group in every right. precinct. But isn't, don't far fewer people show up to caucus than would show up if there was a primary? Yes. Oh, yes. It's tens, so why do we spend, everybody. you know, why do we waste all this time caring about what happens with a minute number of voters from Iowa 
Well, who said? Did you read the editorial, or was that on Fox that you read that uh, said it's time to get rid of that? Well, that's what everybody was saying this morning. That's what uh, um, Reverend Sharpton was saying. And I even heard a couple people on CNN this morning saying that they thought the Iowa caucus was now toast because of this, you know, that you can't have all that money, all that effort put into something, and then they can't even give you a straight answer as to who won and who didn't. Well, suffice to say, they have how many delegates do they have? Somebody's going to come away with delegates that they will be empirically verifiable that that's who deserves them. And it sounded, by all accounts last night, uh, CNN was doing exit polling, much well, they called it entrance polling, but they were showing that, you know, Bernie Sanders was doing super well. So, Would you answer a poll for somebody who was accosting you as you were going in to vote? I don't think you have I would lie. I would lie to them. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's your nature, but I think... Well, it's not really, my nature. I just don't like being accosted and ask how I'm voting. If you're at a caucus, it, you have you're, you literally have to wear your candidate on your sleeve. You have to wear a badge that shows right. that that's who you're there for. So that's your, who your first well, choice Well, and so is. many of them were going in to uh, for candidates that they felt fairly certain wouldn't get the 15% to survive the first round so that they could lay back and take the temperature of the room. So if you were the Andrew Yang supporter that went to a caucus last night, you had underneath your badge your second choice ready to go. Well, I would have gone in pledged to Admiral Sestak. Mm, I think he because I'm out. I know, but that doesn't matter. There were other people there supporting candidates who dropped out. Mm, I don't that think way you can could, do that at a caucus. I think only valid candidates are counted. It's not like a primary ballot that they print two months ahead of time. What's her name? Had people I understood had people caucusing for her who dropped out. Kamala Harris. Oh, did she? Yeah, okay. that's what I understand. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is the telephone number. You're welcome to give us a buzz. We got open phones. We can talk about uh, the impeachment closing arguments or, or closing remarks are set for today. And uh, we have the president's State of the Union address. The governor of Pennsylvania, Governor Wolf, is giving his budget address today. And, of course, he's up against a rock that is the Republican House and Senate. So he has to he might as well present a realistic budget because nothing gets through the GOP but uh, or nothing gets through to the uh, budget office but through him. So give us a buzz, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. Uh, there's no way that you can get your full appointed time because we're getting up to the top of the hour, but you have an open mic, Lance. Thanks for calling in. Okay. Well, this is uh, just a short little uh, letter that uh, really puts together what I felt about the impeachment and Democratic Party. Okay, really quick. So the impeachment of President Trump boils down to this. The Democrats are trying to influence the next election by investigating a political opponent charging him with trying to influence the next election by investigating a political opponent. Will it work? Well, shortly before the 2012 election, Senator Harry Reid falsely accused Republican presidential candidate Mitt Romney of tax evasion. Afterward, when he was asked if he regretted the malicious smear, the unrepentant Senator Reid replied smugly, he lost, didn't he? I mean, you know, that's the Democratic Party, the people who are the keepers of truth, justice, virtue, right? Super, huh? So that represents all Democrats. So any Democrat is a liar like that? Well, no. But all I'm trying to say is they keep 
trying to hold themselves up as that and let that go slide like that. And Harry Reid told a big fat whopper, eh? Yeah, he sh- well, he sure did. But see, he did it on the floor of the Senate, and you can say anything. Okay. There. Well, and by the same matter. token, then all Republicans must be, uh, what would you call, would you call Trump a pathological liar or just a I've frequent? heard him described as that. Uh, well, what would you no, call it? You know he doesn't tell the truth all the time. How would you describe his inability I to tell the truth? I would say he is uh, somewhat challenged with respect to veracity. Okay. So he's, he's uh, voraciously challenged. And so no, are all right. voraciously veracity. No. And he's the head of the Republican <laughs> Party. <clears throat> All I'm saying is there. this is the old thing about the pot calling the kettle black, mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Who's okay. the pot and who's the kettle? <laughs> I Just think out of curiosity. is the kettle. There's no yeah. argument there. Harry Reid is the about, pot. Think about the fact that uh, Attorney General for Obama was before the House testifying about uh, Ass and Furious, and he wouldn't even say... They held him in contempt of Congress and left the coup. Gotcha. We're talking about Eric Holder. So thank you, Lance. We're out of time. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the call. This is WKOK Sunbury.